0: Thank you for joining me for more Overthinking Movies. I'm your overthinking host, Brandon Hain. You probably noticed the runtime of this episode, so uh, I'm going to make this quick so we can get into the discussion. King Kong 76 stars Jeff Bridges, Jessica Lang, Charles Grodin, and special effects man Rick Baker playing King Kong in a suit. The film was directed by John Gullerman, best known for The Towering Inferno, and for yelling at his crew and his actors a lot. The writer was Lorenzo Semple Jr., best known for writing this 60's Batman TV show. And the main producer was Dino De Laurentiis. If you are unfamiliar with Mr. Laurentiis, then let me put it this way. He produced films from 1946 to 2007. Now that is a career. Of those you may be familiar with, Halloween 2, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Hannibal, and Red Dragon, just to name a few of, like, 500 movies. Very important figure in film history, and one you should definitely look up. Finally, for the discussion, co-host Alex Ulacki and I will be going through the film scene by scene, comparing it to both the original 1933 King Kong, as well as the Peter Jackson remake from 2005. How does King Kong 1976 hold up? We were very interested to find out. So, King Kong 1976 is a very interesting movie for a lot of different reasons. It's a very different film from either the 1933 original or the 2005 Peter Jackson remake, which in itself kind of just remakes the 33 movie. King Kong 1976 is set in 1976.
1: Yep, the only one of those films that take place the year that it was actually made. Well, actually, I guess the first one takes place in 33, but...
0: And as such, there's a lot of changes that they do to the story to make it fit that time period that we'll sort of go over as we're going through it. I mean, first off, unlike the original or the Peter Jackson film where they spend a large portion of the beginning of the movie in New York as the crew sort of gets together to get aboard the ship and they recruit the the girl to act in the movie. Here, they're just on the ship. Like, immediately. They're already shipping out. And all of the exposition is done while they're on the ship. Yeah, the first
1: scene is literally him, uh, the, the, the main guy, Jack, sneaking
0: onto the boat, pretty much, that shortly thereafter takes off. Jack, in the original movie and in the Peter Jackson film, he he's recruited to be on the ship. Like, in the original movie, he's just, like, the first mate. He just sort of gets dragged into the story as it goes along. Here, the Jack character, played by Jeff Bridges, gets on the ship because he's a stowaway that we later learn is a paleontologist that got on the ship because he heard rumors of the island's history of some sort of large humanoid living there?
1: Yeah, an environmentalist paleontologist, who is against this, so reasonably it doesn't seem like a great idea to get onto this boat full of oil people and then yell at them and then kind of have nowhere to go after that.
0: Right, because the other big change here is that the Carl Denham character, whose name is Fred Wilson in this movie... He's not coming to the island to film a movie with dangerous animals. He works for Petrolix? It's, like it's like an oil company. Apparently radar and photos of the island have shown that the island may contain a large amount of oil uh, shown by the fog that covers it.
1: A very prominent thick fog, which I think they touched upon again in the Peter Jackson film. You just saw the original. Did they have anything about thick fog in the 1933 one?
0: Yeah, there, I think it's always been a factor of the of Skull Island, uh, which there's no skull in this movie. It, I don't even think it really has a name. They
1: do say something about a skull in it, but you're right. They never, they never show a skull, though. He specifically, Jack says something about a skull, I thought, before they get to it. Hmm.
0: Something along those lines, even though we see nothing of the sort actually on the island. But anyway, from what I remember, the 1933 movie, there's no real mention of... They don't really go into the nature of the fog itself. It's more just as they sail their ship to the island. It, it's it's very foggy for a bit before they come out into the caverns inside the island. Um, but here, the fog they believe is reminiscent of you know the petroleum or whatever that is underneath the island that they're coming to drill for. Because I believe during the time of the film, there was a uh, oil shortage of sorts.
1: Yeah, that lasted all throughout the 70s, um, hitting particularly hard in 73 and 79 in America, I believe, though, just throughout the mid. 70s that was really prominent and bad throughout the country so that was cool how they worked that into this
0: yeah yeah i thought it was it was a good way of updating it while not changing the core story however the the other thing that's interesting is that because it's it's a bunch of oil people and they're not making a movie you're like okay so how do they recruit the girl to be in the movie well the girl Uh, in this version, was like on a yacht with a bunch of filmmakers. The yacht was uh, sunk in a storm and she was the only survivor. And they end up catching her in in the lifeboat and bring her aboard the ship to save her. And she decides to just go with them on their expedition after that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I believe she explains the reason that she survived is because everybody else on the yacht, went downstairs to watch Deep Throat or something of that nature. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And she didn't want to, so everybody else drowned because she was above on a higher deck.
0: Yeah, she says that her life was saved by a movie, and she brings it up multiple times in the movie. Man, I can't believe Deep Throat saved my life. She takes a liking to Jack and and the crew in general just kind of takes a liking to her over time well because obviously she's an attractive woman aboard the ship.
1: Yeah, they play that up. I mean, that's always been kind of a thing. But they really play it up in this one, I feel.
0: Oh, yeah. They have her in so many different outfits. <sighs> they play up her sexuality to a degree that neither of the other films ever do with their Anne characters. No. And then the the rest of it, like, the approach to the island and a lot of the stuff happening after that is pretty similar to the other versions. They they see the deep fog. They take their ship in and discover the island on the other side. And they uh, they begin exploring. They then encounter a giant wall. Uh, that, that seems naturally made. Yeah, the big wooden wall that
1: Fred says something like, Let me straighten you out. This island is uninhabited. Apparently thinking that the wall was like ancient or something, even though it's clearly wooden and
0: it's not fossilized or anything. Yep, and the second he says that, drums immediately start banging in the background. And that's kind of the interesting thing about about Jack's character is that he's in constant conflict with Fred in this movie. Like, when he first gets on the ship, of course, Fred tries to throw him out for being a stowaway, thinking he's working for a rival oil company that wants to steal his oil. But uh, eventually he does a background check on Jack, sees that he really is who he says he is. He's an environmentalist and paleontologist. So he goes, fine, you can be our photographer. And he lets him come with them. But for a good portion of the movie, Jack spends his time... Being the well, actually, guy to everything that Fred says, which in in many cases he's right, but his smugness kind of makes him unlikable at times. But yes, they discover the giant wall, obviously built by the natives that worship Kong. They find their encampment. They begin snapping pictures and seeing their ritual, where just like in the other versions, they're uh, sacrificing one of their own women to Kong, and there's like a guy in like a monk, um, a uh, ape costume that's dancing.
1: Yeah, some of the costumes were bizarre, but interesting, therefore, I guess. How do you mean? I I don't know, just like the ape face and the other guys sort of looked kind of ghost-like in those hay mask costume things.
0: It's definitely a different take from the other movies. I, and I didn't find the music overall as uh, memorable as the other two films in terms of the, the, the ritual music.
1: Not Neither that nor the score, either. Or at least uh, compared to the original, that score is very memorable.
0: Yeah, like, I think the score in this movie is prominent, and you, you definitely hear it. And feel very 70s while you're at it. It's very 70s, but it never really has any memorable themes that you, like, remember. So the natives do see them, of course they do. They come to them, and just like in the other versions, they they point at the girl. They go, we'll trade six of our women for her fred wilson and his crew go well no you can't have her and the natives in this version attack them So they fire their guns into the air to scare them away and run. They go back to their ship and then things kind of, things kind of proceed pretty naturally as you would expect. Jack and the girl become closer. Yeah, that's right. Her name is Dewan, which she literally has a line where she explains it, where she's like, well, it's, it's the name Dawn, but I switched around the letters to make it sound cooler. And that feels less like a real line of dialogue and more like they just used what they actually said in their pitch meeting for naming the character in the script. (laughs) Well, I mean, it does
1: sort of make sense that something weird like that would bit in her case because she is trying to be an actress who hasn't had the best of luck so maybe I don't know if she keeps telling that stupid story some producer will remember it eventually
0: I guess so so yeah the natives come and she of course happens to be sitting right on the edge of the ship so they can grab her
1: yeah I felt that was very convenient too because she was talking to Jack having a moment and then he finally gets up and heads in and then they immediately just happen to swing by and abduct her and that it's just it's just pretty easy
0: He told her to go to her cabin and meet him there, but then she just kind of hangs there. And there's a lot of silly foreshadowing in this movie, like, throughout it. Dewan is talking about horoscopes, and she's like, my horoscope said that I'm going to travel the ocean and meet the biggest person in my life. And I groaned. Yeah. Or, or there's parts where they're showing the the radar going over the island, and there's a giant blip in the center of it, and they're like, "Oh, it's just a glitch." So anyway, the natives take Anne, but here they like make her drink some sort of liquid on uh, in their encampment that puts her into like a trance. She doesn't scream as much.
1: Yeah, she's just pretty drugged out. It seems like.
0: So then they tie her up and King Kong comes and uh, unlike in the original film where King Kong was claymation or in the Peter Jackson movie where it was like a, he was CGI, but motion captured by another actor here, they go the Godzilla route and make King Kong uh, a guy in a suit and they play around with like perspective.
1: Right. The suit itself is pretty detailed. What I really liked about it, I don't know if it was the actual suit or just some of the puppets that they would have on the close-ups, but King Kong's eyes really have a lot of life in this one. I thought.
0: To me, when I saw that, I thought it was literally they just it's the actor's eyes and they just sort of painted ma- makeup over it.
1: I couldn't tell if that was the case or not, because usually in any ape mask I've seen, there's usually a big glaring portion. If you look into the eyes where you can see that it's fake, but I didn't. It, the eyes were, were great, wh- whether that be in the actual suit or the puppet I was looking at.
0: Yeah, in general, I was I was pretty impressed by the suit and just how the animatronics of the face, how expressive they were throughout the movie.
1: Now, as far as the suit itself goes, because there was an actual person inside of it, I did feel that at times it came across as a little bit bigfootish almost because I wasn't sure what it was. But when I thought about it, an actual gorilla, its legs would be a little bit shorter because it would u- be used to walking bipedally or, or quadrupedally on all fours uh most prominently rather than bipedally but because this is just a person they have him on two legs almost the entire time granted that's the route they would take in the japanese ones like king kong versus godzilla but this is the only time that i really felt that the scale was off in one of the american versions though the suit itself still looks good
0: yeah yeah Absolutely. One of my problems, though, with Kong's portrayal in this movie, and you sort of hit on it there, that he's portrayed more like a missing link than a giant ape, because he doesn't walk on all fours. He just kind of... He walks like a guy with bad posture... most of the movie
1: (laughs) (laughs) right which again coming from a king kong film does make me want to say something whereas i've been reviewing godzilla films with you left and right they got dinosaurs walking like this dragons robots and none of that bothers me because that stuff's supposed to be like that i guess where this is not necessarily the case with this property
0: so of course, Jack and the crew find out that Dewan's been taken. They they run into the encampment of the natives, scare them away, open up the gate uh, that Kong was in behind.
1: They scare them all away. When I first came in, I thought they just massacred the whole bunch. No, of
0: they don't hurt any of the natives.
1: But yeah, they mention them later. They do shoot at them, like you said earlier. But I guess it wasn't. I guess it wasn't a total massacre.
0: <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, thank goodness. So they go go through the gate and uh, go after Kong. And then the rest of the movie, for, for a good chunk of the middle, is just kind of scenes of the men searching the woods... Uh, Fred Wilson goes back and lays on the beach. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, you're right.
0: He just kind of talks on his radio and just goes, hey guys, did you find her yet? Or did you find any oil? Uh, I'll keep looking at the radar. And that cuts back to them searching. Then it cuts back to scenes of uh, Duan and Kong.
1: There were a a large portion of the island scenes, I would say, were just scenes of Duan and Kong. And a lot of that seems like it was pulled into the Peter Jackson version later. I, I would say... The Jackson version follows a lot of the story from the first, but a lot of the feel and s- scenes of the woman and the gorilla f- straight from this one.
0: Because in the original movie, the, the Ann Darrow character, she would spe- she was like terrified of Kong. She would spend all her time screaming and trying to get away from him and was terrified of him. And in this movie, she is... It feels like a midway point, literally, between the original and the Peter Jackson movie, because you can tell she begins to feel sorry for Kong over time, but she never really comes to really care about him like she does in the Peter Jackson movie. She kind of takes him for granted. There's clearly sympathy there, but she doesn't really, like, form that deep relationship with him.
1: Well, no, because, again, she still remains terrified of him throughout, even while being sorry. So, I mean, that probably distances her a little bit.
0: Yeah, which you know it does make sense. Um, like the the way so so what happens is is that there's scenes of her trying to get away. Kong stops her, and she notices that he doesn't really try to ever hurt her. He just tries to keep her with him, and that slowly brings them together. There's a part where she falls in some mud, and then the next time we see them, Kong is putting her under a waterfall to try to get her to clean herself. And the effects for this are actually pretty cool. They built like a a full size, like, which to be fair, they did this in the original movie too, but but here it's it's much more expressive. They built this giant full sized Kong arm and hand that she sort of rides in.
1: Right, a lot with good animatronic fingers too, which the original film I don't think you saw those digits moving as much in the actual size scale moments of uh, Kong.
0: And, and to me, what was impressive was just how wet they get the hand. Cause during the scene with the waterfall, there's a part where Kong drops her into the the river below. She falls in and then swims up and you see his hand come into the water to grab her, to, to pull her above. And I just thought it was, it was impressive that they were able to get that, that giant animatronic that wet.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure it was just the hand for that shot. Now, I did read that they built like a 40 foot tall animatronic gorilla for this and it cost like 500,000 euros at the time or something, but they only ended up using it for like 15 seconds of screen time because it didn't work very well.
0: I think I may have, might know where they used that too, but we'll get to that later. Anyway, there's a lot of scenes of them sort of becoming, becoming more comfortable with each other, even though she does want to get away from him. They go to... I guess what is King Kong's home, it's like this this the top of the island. Yeah, the the top of the island, which is like this cradle of like high rocks and, and smoking uh and, and these like smokestacks pouring from what I assume uh I guess Fred thought was oil.
1: And I wanna point out before this scene, they did have the scene that has been in most versions of this where all of the crew are trying to get closer to Kong and they have to cross that giant log over a giant ravine and King Kong sees them and has to shake them all off the log and only the smarter guys are able to hide on the the sides of the wall in time uh, to escape falling to their doom.
0: Jack Prescott is among them. He is able to get off the log in time. And hey, the, the black member of the crew survives. That's new.
1: <laughs> He's like the only only one to survive who goes on the land besides Jack. So not, not bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was almost like a self-aware touch. Yeah, Kong shakes them off, and oh my goodness, what is it with these 70s and 80s movies where when people are falling off of something high, and they show them falling to their deaths, the special effect they decide to use is like this horrible green screen of them falling, and they're like falling in slow motion. But it's not like it's supposed to be in slow motion, it's just that the way they film it, it looks like they're falling slow. And it, it looks horrible. Like like the, the like in the original 30s movie, when the, when the characters are falling off the log, they just like cut to these dummies that they threw off of a high place hitting the ground and they just add screaming sound effects. That was more believable.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, the green screen in here did not hold up great. A lot of the effects are good, but the green screen is particularly bad at a lot of points.
0: So Jack ends up on the side of, of the bridge where Kong was and the, and the black crew member ends up on the side uh, leading back to the ship. So Jack tells him to head back and he goes on to find uh, Duan and Kong. And, and around this time... We see scenes of Fred Wilson beginning to discover the truth that the oil on the island is in no way a- able to be used for actual oil it, it according to his crew member, it's like something like it would take thousands of years for it to become actually usable, so his whole expedition turns out to be pointless.
1: yeah, his sassy crew member tells him that it's just a pin bucket away from being usable on a geological scale. Just give it ten thousand years. <laughs>
0: Then, he makes some sort of joke about how maybe that Kong could be useful for commercials, like having a giant ape as a mascot, and you see the wheels begin to turn in Fred's head. So, Jack finally discovers Kong's home, and around this time, we finally get another monster. A giant snake shows up, and Kong fights it. And it's the only fight with another monster in the entire movie. No dinosaurs in this version,
1: Which, I mean, kind of makes more sense. Not that a giant gorilla makes a lot of sense, but if you could believe in such a thing, further expecting us to believe dinosaurs have remained on the island is a bit preposterous. But, I mean, the dinosaurs are really fun, and people love dinosaurs. I miss the dinosaurs.
0: I mean, they still try to pay tribute to the fights in this scene, because just like with the uh, T-Rex in the original movie and the Peter Jackson film, Kong kills the snake in this version by opening its mouth until it breaks his jaw.
1: Did it? Was it the mouth? It almost looked like it breaks its whole head off by the jaw to me. Whatever it was, it ended up being really bloody, though.
0: Yeah, it was real gory. I believe it was the same where he opened up the mouth until it snapped open. And then, yeah, it was it was all blood. But anyway, Kong defeats the snake, but around this time, Jack has caught up to Dewan. He's able to pull her away from Kong. Kong sees them and runs. And just like in the other versions, Jack and Dewan uh, jump off of something high to escape Kong and fall into the water below. They lure Kong. Now, of course, this whole time, uh, unbeknownst to them, Fred Fred has been planning, hey, I I can't get my oil, Then, then I'll get my big catch either way. So he calls in for his oil company to send him some drops of containers of of uh i assume a gas that will put kong out and that they airdrop he then has his men mess with the native encampment to set it up as a giant trap for kong so jack and Dewan run back they get the door open they run in and kong comes and i'll be honest this whole sequence is actually my favorite part of the entire movie because It's not an animated sequence of a claymation figure breaking a claymation wall. It's not a a giant CGI motion-captured creature breaking through a a CGI wooden wall. Here, it is this real actor in a real suit breaking through a real wooden wall. And it looks good. Seeing him slowly smash and punch his way through it looked great. So Kong breaks through the fence very slowly, he smashes it open, and he falls right into Fred's trap, which is a hole that Fred put right in front of the gate that Kong falls into, and he's immediately doused in the gas that puts him to sleep. Which leads to probably my favorite shot in the entire movie, where it's the natives finally return, to see what's going on, as do the the sailors of the of the oil company, and they all walk over to see the giant hole Kong has fill, has fallen into, which is now impossible to see into because of all of the gas. And then you see Kong's hand rise up through the smoke, and then fall back down as he falls asleep. And I just thought all of that looked great. Yep. Which leads them then
1: to taking Kong back onto the oil tanker and storing him there, which actually. Makes a lot of sense as far as how they would be able to transport this giant gorilla back because they would be prepared to carry hundreds of tons of oil, it looks like. So they already have the perfect place to store them right there on the boat.
0: Yep, exactly. It, act- it actually does make a lot of sense. And then Kong wakes up on the boat and we get a scene that I don't think has been done in the other versions where Kong wakes up. He begins freaking out, pounding the walls and messing up the ship. There's a lot of great shots of
1: stuff falling out of the kitchen wall and pipes breaking throughout the boat. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, the engine room mess getting messed up. It's all good, like practical stuff. And then uh, Duan hears Kong freaking out, realizes that she needs to stop them or are they're going because they because they then threaten they're going to flood the area Kong is in to kill him. So she runs over and Jack's like, no, don't go down there. And, and, And she actually goes, I'll jump if you get any closer. And Jack's like, "Okay," so he stops
1: because she's able to position herself pretty much straight on some sort of girder right above The area that King Kong is being stored like hundreds of feet below.
0: And one of Kong's pounds then cause her to fall in and uh, Kong then catches her and we get a little scene of them, you know, looking at each other. Kong stares at her for a bit and then he puts her down and he and he kind of just says, it's okay, I'm okay now. And he lets her go back up, which is kind of interesting. The internal conflict that's going on with the human characters at this point is that Fred's like, "All right, I got Kong. It's going to be like this big commercial deal. We're g- we're going to make a lot of big money off uh, for for my oil company over this." And Jack is hesitant being the environment environmentalist paleontologist that they're messing with Kong cuz he goes on a rant about by taking him away, he they've, he's they've taken away the the mystery and the magic of the natives and killed their spirit. In a year, they'll just be a bunch of depressed drunks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: I liked that. And then uh, Dewan is also conflicted because she is somewhat interested in, in doing what's best for the land and stuff, I guess. But she just had that personal connection with Kong and knows that's wrong. But as mentioned before, she dreams of being an actress and has not achieved that yet. And this is her big break to kind of do this.
0: Yep, we see this big moment of Fred threatening Jack and being like, "Hey, I'll I'll mess up your life if you if you don't become part of my project here." And uh, Dewan is like pleading with Jack, and for the moment, Jack kind of goes with all of this.
1: Yeah, which he promptly changes his mind about as soon as they're cut back to New York, pretty much.
0: Yep, they get back to New York, and the first performance of Kong is starting to get set up, and Jack goes, "I quit," and Fred's like, "Okay, I'm I'm cutting you off then." And Jack goes, Dewan, come with me. Get get out of this. And because, you know, they they have truly built up a loving relationship throughout the movie. There's even a point in the movie where Fred tries to ask, oh, I mean, ha- have you two considered getting married just to make it part of the marketing? We could do it right on stage. We could have King Kong initiate you. <laughs> yes, we could have King Kong basically be the... <laughs> Justice of the Beast. Yes. <laughs> G- giving a- giving Dewan away. But uh, once again... Dewan chooses being a part of Fred making her a star over running away with Jack. So Jack goes away and they begin their performance but Jack stays to watch it. And unlike in the original movies or the Peter Jackson film where it's like on a on a stage in like a theater, here it's like in a stadium.
1: Yeah. Then when they push out King Kong, because this is a big promotion for the oil company if you notice the box they removed In place of curtains that King Kong's cage is in is like a giant gas station
0: pump thing. It's like a giant gas station pump they put over King Kong's body to reveal him as their mascot. In the middle of an oil crisis,
1: we can't promise you oil, but we can promise you giant apes.
0: They, They have King Kong handcuffed inside of a giant steel cage, and they also have him wearing a crown.
1: Yeah, that crown was ridiculous. It reminded me of the Burger King
0: crown. Honestly, the whole sequence just made me feel really bad for Kong, as I assume you're supposed to. (laughs)
1: And this particular scene is one of the reasons that I think that when they continue to redo King Kong, they've trended towards doing period pieces because this is not part of our society anymore. This was still a thing in the 70s where you get sort of this circus exploitation of the small cages for animals. But by 2005, I don't think that you could really see that happening in such a manner anymore.
0: Yes, yeah. The use of live animals like this, absolutely no way. There's even a line when Jack tells Fred he's quitting where he says, I'm not being part of your circus anymore.
1: Right, literally.
0: As you might expect, uh, things go wrong. Like, uh, Dewan walks up onto this little stage that is made to look like what she was uh, tied to by the natives to reenact the famous iconic moment. And then paparazzi swarm the stage and start pulling at her. Like, it's, like, really aggressive.
1: Yeah, after she gets out of this life-and-death experience where she's tied up to this podium there, then they just... they, They basically make her literally relive it, but with, like, silver string.
0: Yeah, so... The paparazzi swarm the stage, they begin pulling at her, and then Jack immediately sees what's going on, because he's the character that knows everything that's gonna happen in this movie, and he goes, No, don't don't do that, you'll anger him and so of course Kong gets angry seeing these people these people hurt Anne. He begins snapping his bindings, breaking through his cage, and of course he goes mad and goes goes into the audience we actually see him like step on people. <laughs> Yeah, that was actually pretty cool, the
1: stepping on. I did not expect it to look, I mean, it didn't look entirely convincing, but I didn't expect the actual human element in that shot to be as well choreographed as it was, where the foot comes out from on top of them, and these people who had just been standing there are now piled onto the ground that that was good.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was like a combination of separate shots of King Kong fr- from above walking around. And then they uh, kind of green screened in another shot of people kind of falling to the ground, looking like they've been stomped on. Yeah, that was neat. Because
1: the the two shots were spliced into one shot rather than it just being separate cuts.
0: And there's also a number of points here because Alex and I mentioned earlier that they built a full-size Kong animatronic. There's actually shots where they use it here where they cut to wide shots of the whole stadium where you can clearly tell that the Kong is full-sized, especially because it's not moving very much.
1: No, exactly. It's just chained up there. So that figures that would have been when they could use it.
0: Yep. There's also shots outside of the cage where they use it too, but it's only like the, the hand and like the head that are really moving. And unlike the other versions where the filmmaker Carl Denham character lives until the end to deliver the iconic line, here his spiritual successor Fred Wilson just gets stomped on.
1: Yeah, very viciously. This is Kong mostly just happens to step on people, but he deliberately steps on Fred.
0: Right, because <laughs> earlier in the movie he actually did see Fred when he was uh coming to break into the wall, because Fred was standing on top of the wall.
1: Right. He knows Fred is a bad guy which i mean carl denham is sort of a sleaze bag but i guess even somebody in the audience like myself can forgive a hollywood sleaze bag before they can forgive a big oil tycoon
0: yeah. Yeah. The movie was vicious towards him. Uh, Kong, Kong completely just stamps on him and that's it. And to be honest, it was a bit arbitrary. It was kind of just him running into Kong. Like, like, I guess he was trying to stop him and he was going beyond all logic and reason. But come on, Fred.
1: Now, I wasn't particularly upset when he died either. Carl Denham is a very fun yeah. character. And though Fred did put some fun into the movie, I didn't feel like he was as fun As the Carl Denham character, would you agree?
0: Yeah, I would say Fred's performance was his actor was very good and he was he was memorable. But Carl Denham coming to the island because he likes filming movies in dangerous places is a much more interesting character than man looking for oil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And there's also plenty of scenes where Fred puts human life under finding oil. So it was kind of set up here.
1: (laughs) Again, no big loss.
0: Kong escapes, goes into town. We get a recreation of the scene from the original movie and the Peter Jackson film where where he smashes up a a railway car.
1: And that looked really good here between the scale of the the railway car and Kong and uh, him ripping the roof off, the flames exploding, gas shooting out everywhere. This was uncharacteristic to other king kong films for me too because some of my favorite the most memorable sequences for me happened with king kong in the city or like you said maybe on the boat too there was some memorable stuff more so than the island actually which in both the original and the peter jackson film i find to be vastly to be the best part of the films
0: yeah, and in this version, Dewan and Jack are actually inside of the, the, the train car when he's ripping it up. So they, like, escape out the back and run away.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, and there's that shot where King Kong finds a woman who is in a dress similar to Dewan, and he pulls her out of the car, and then he realizes that's the wrong one, and he just, like, flings her back or something.
0: Yeah, but she also does in the Peter Jackson movie. Here, they portray it by, like, a little doll that King Kong is holding that we that from a distance away looks like a real person and then he kind of throws it. And then Jack and Duan kind of forget about Kong. They like find a restaurant and just sort of chill there. I guess the, but the point of the scene it's them once again sort of going over their relationship and talking about what they want to do with their lives now. But they sort of just like forget about Kong.
1: Yeah, they're busy having a moment. It did come across as kind of odd to have happen there in the movie. I mean, not from the movie perspective, but from, like, if they were in the middle of this perspective, yeah. I mean, they were, like, in the middle of an abandoned restaurant, for goodness sake. It looked like that part of the town might have been evacuated or
0: something. That's the scene where, once again, where Dewan is trying to patch things up with Jack. And the thing is, Jack still has Kong on his mind. Because as they're walking into the restaurant, he looks up at the Twin Towers and for some reason he goes, actually, that, that site, it's familiar to me. And we learn that's because, oh, right, Kong's home on the island also had two giant rocks that resembled the Twin Towers. The use of the Twin Towers here
1: is kind of fitting because when the, they generally resort to using the empire state building that's what they went back to in the 2005 version obviously but in 1933 that i think that was also the year that the empire state building came out it was somewhere around there so it was incredibly new when the movie came out the world trade center and this one was also only a few years old as this movie was released so it was the big new thing in new york
0: Kong is, of course, walking around, still uh, you know, bashing up buildings and walking downtown. And then, somehow, Kong finds Dewan in this random building that her and Jack walked into. Because he reaches in and grabs her, and I'm like, how did he find her? I don't know, but... I don't
1: know if it's just that he can sniff her out. It doesn't illustrate Kong sniffing or anything particularly like that, but he's clearly on a mission, going through the whole city, crossing the river and everything, looking for her, and they don't really emphasize how King Kong is finding her. He's just kind of tracking her like a bloodhound.
0: To me, it made just as much sense, honestly, as the 30s version where Kong happens to be scaling the building that Jack and Anne are in and then he just reaches his hand in and picks up Anne and I'm just like, but how did he even know they were in there and why were Jack and Anne in that specific building? Neither version makes any sense. But anyway, Kong takes her and he begins climbing the building. Jack then calls some sort of military organization... He tries to make a deal with them so that they won't hurt
1: King Kong because he knows he knows where King Kong is going to go because he knows everything about this movie. And he makes them agree not to try to hurt King Kong if he tells them where to prepare, which, of course, is the World Trade Center. And do they just not live up to their word, or is that a separate organization? I think that's them not living up to their word, right? When... Because initially they, once Kong is on the rooftop with Dawn and Jack is climbing up there, but unable to get quite to the top, these three men with flamethrowers get to the top of the same building and start flaming Kong with their weapons. And I, that was also um, one of my favorite little battles in the movie. I, I liked that flamethrower sequence.
0: When the guys in the flamethrowers go up the building, their general goes, wait a second, who, who gave them that order? We didn't give any order for that. So some miscommunication just must have happened.
1: Yeah, I don't know if the miscommunication would account for people in helicopters flying in with machine guns, though.
0: Well, maybe that happened just because Kong killed some of their men. But, but who knows? They don't really explain it. But yeah, that sequence was cool. It, like, Kong picks up something nearby on the building and, be, and rips it up and begins tossing it at them. And even, like, the shots of the fire hitting Kong and, and catching some of his fur ablaze looked pretty good. Kong throws, I think, a container of, like, oil or gas or something at the flamethrower guys and blows them up. After having leaped from one of the twin towers to the other to escape, yep, because then when we see Jack looking up at what's going on, he's in the he's in the opposite tower.
1: <laughs> he sees the guys get blown up and he's like, "Yes,
0: yes, Oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. He reacts to the to Kong killing people by going, "Yeah, heck with those guys. Yeah." And it's like, uh, okay, Jack. He's a giant monster that's killed people. <laughs> then some helicopters fly in with armed turrets. That then began firing on Kong. Uh, this, f- this freaks out Dewan. And that's the thing, like, Dewan actually tries to stay with Kong, tr- hoping that that, w- that will make the uh, the men not hurt him. Kong intentionally pushes her away.
1: Yep, and then he gets shot into a bloody pulp.
0: Yeah. Like the Peter Jackson movie and the original film, like there, you, there was definitely some blood on Kong and you could see maybe where some of the bullet holes were, but here it's actually pretty gruesome just how messed up they show him get by the, by the end of the, the fire. Just like with the snake death, like the, this movie has the, has the most gore out of any of the King Kong movies and, and, and it succeeds in making you feel sorry for him. Yeah. Cause then he, he finally falls down on top of the building and Dewan's there trying trying to do something to comfort him, but shes, she's crying. she is so messed up by all of it. And then Kong, he was laying on the side of the building. so of course, you know, gravity and his weight pulls him over and he falls to his death with another terrible green screen falling effect. And then Jack and Dewan meet to see the remains of King Kong's body. And in a really interesting and cool dramatic touch, the movie actually begins playing King Kong's heartbeat as it begins to slow down before his death. The thump, the thump, the thump, the thump, the thump, the thump, until it stops and he finally dies. And and Dewan is crying; she really feels for Kong. And Jack goes down to find her and Kong. Jack's messed up by it too. And and Jack calls for her. She calls for Jack. She begins running to him but she's blocked by the paparazzi that won't let her pass because they're just swarming her. And the movie just ends there. Like there's no final line. There's no, it was beauty who killed the beast. It just stops.
1: I also kind of like that they don't even fade to regular black screen for end credits. They just kind of start playing it over the crowd still gathered around this giant deceased beast trying to get their pictures and talk to everybody just in this long shot of it. And it just continues on that the whole time. Not exactly sure how to explain the feel of it, but it kind of left an impact that way.
0: Yeah, like I think what the message they're trying to push here or what they're trying to say here is that Dewan and Jack are pulled away from each other because of uh, Dewan's choice to choose fame over going with the person she loves. And so it created this permanent rift between her and Jack, which is why at the end of the movie, they're separated because she's literally pulled back by her fame by the paparazzi. And I think that's what they were trying to do with that scene. The message they're trying to get out of it, like, like punishing Dewan's character for choosing fame. Because that felt like an intentional choice that they didn't get back together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty gruesome, like mean spirited at times. So that's the 1976 remake of King Kong. It's a very interesting and really different take on King Kong, but at the same time, it does still tell the same basic story, just with some modern themes.
1: So how would you compare it to the 1933 film and the 2005 film?
0: Um, I think both the 1933 film and the 2005 film are overall better executed stories. And I like the characters better in those movies. However, I don't think because not a lot of people talk about King Kong 1976. And I don't think it's a bad movie by any stretch. I actually think there's a lot of things that work in this film. I just think that it's not to the degree of, of the other, of the 2005 film or the 1933 film. I feel like it, there's parts of it. I don't, really care for Jeff Bridges Jack character you know I feel like they were trying to make a character more likable because the Jack in the original 1933 film was not great either Here, I almost feel like they try to make Jack the audience surrogate. He's like, he knows what's happening. He always knows, he's always one step ahead of the other characters because I guess he's almost taking the place of people that are familiar with the story of King Kong. He's the one that knows the plot points coming up, so he's trying to avoid them and push them back, kind of adding to the whole tragedy of it. But I also didn't find him very likable because because of that aspect of his character, he's very smug. He's always constantly being like, well, actually, this is how this is, or this is how that is. And on the other end, Fred Wilson, the oil tycoon, he's not a likable character either. I don't know. There's something about him that I never really felt the same amount of annoyance that I did with Jack.
1: Right. I mean, basically, though, overall, between all three of the main characters, this is not their best version for any of them.
0: No, absolutely not. And that kind of goes through everything in general. There's things that definitely work about this movie, but it's it's not a grand film on the scale of either of the other versions. Right. What, what were your overall thoughts on it, Alex? I feel similar. I feel
1: that the art, just some of the technique from the 1933 should be preserved to an extent despite some of the controversy of um, some of the other aspects of the film. This one, I'm not sure if, It does pull its weight in that aspect as far as some of the things that weren't acceptable to still do even by 1976 versus today, though there are some nice shots in it. But generally, I would just recommend watching the 2005 Peter Jackson version and only watching the stuff on the island because that in itself is a full length film right there.
0: Yep. This film is only about two hours and 15 minutes, while the Peter Jackson film is like three and a half hours. And it is excessive. It is way too long, but it is a better movie.
1: I also thought the pacing on this version was a bit slow, too. Some of the shots lingered longer than they needed to. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, heavens forbid, like. Again, the Peter Jackson version doesn't get to the actual island until the point that the 1933 film is already done. But once they're on the island, the pacing is actually nice. And if you were going to watch this one, you might consider watching the whole movie. Because again, it's slow, but it's not, you know, it's not Peter Jackson.
0: (laughs) It's an interesting movie, but I feel like it's only worth watching if... If you've seen the original movie and you've seen the Peter Jackson film and you like them both, but you'd like to see just another take on King Kong, this is a fine movie.
1: Right, right. Yeah, for King Kong fanatics, it will be another thing to see, pretty much.
0: Yes. However, because of the trappings of being set in the modern era, meaning the 1970s, it means that it does date the film a lot.
1: I mentioned at some point when we discussed that we were going to do this film that... I rode the ride they used to have at Universal Studios based specifically off this film. And come to think of it, I think we hit one of the points as to why it may have been taken down. Because I rode that ride on my trip to Universal in 2001, probably in July. The finale of this, it, the ride takes place entirely in the city. I think it actually takes place on like the train type of thing, like King Kong is battering in here. There's a chance that it might depict the World Trade Center... In that ride because that's where this film ended and of course what happened in 2001 two months after i would have been there that may have been part of the reason they took this down in addition to maybe just wanting to reboot it again and prepare for the peter jackson film but
0: oh uh, because peter jackson's film was already being planned out while he was working on Lord of the Rings. They were like, we're ready to do a King Kong remake. And so Peter Jackson had to jump literally from Return of the King to King Kong. (laughs) So so it's impressive that it came out, you know, as good as it did in some respects. And it makes me curious if they ever did another King Kong, whether it would be worthwhile to do another update. Because I feel like that's the only other way you could really take it if you tried to do this story again.
1: Oh, you mean um, place it in the modern era again?
0: Yeah, another remake that would be set in in like a modern era. But like you sort of brought up, a lot of the aspects of King Kong's story probably wouldn't work in a modern context because of the idea of bringing a giant animal to use for show.
1: Right. I mean, theoretically, you could plan to put it in a zoo or something, but that would be not the same. I mean, just so much of King Kong is King Kong breaking its shackles and escaping out of, out of the show after pretty much just moments of being there because everything that they've done to plan for this was stupid.
0: Yeah. King Kong, the, the story in general and all of its different movies, it's a, it's definitely a story. Like you can call it a timeless classic, but while it is a timeless film and that it, its quality I feel like always kind of stays true, it's a story that is definitely set in its time. You cannot do King Kong again. And the way Peter Jackson executed it by setting it in 1933 was probably the best route. And uh, that's why when they did another King Kong film, they did a reboot uh, instead of trying to adapt the same story with uh, Kong Skull Island. We're going to jump into the more modern uh, Godzilla and King Kong films with the American Godzilla from 2014. And then of course, Godzilla King of the Monsters. And we'll be tackling Kong Skull Island to, of course, build up to their sequel, Godzilla vs. Kong. Thanks again, Alex, for taking this journey with me through... The, the lesser-known King Kong movie that actually holds up in some ways better than I think we may have expected it to.
1: Yep, yep, my pleasure, Brandon. Anytime I'm ready to hop right on that boat back to the South Seas.
0: If you have suggestions for movies you'd like us to cover or just feedback, send them to Podcast at gmail.com. For more episodes of Overthinking Movies, as well as for other podcasts by my team of talented co-workers, go to goldhitswkva.com, wchx1055.com, and star967.com. And if you're still interested in King Kong 1976 after us going through the entire story, you can find it on HBO Max. It's not quite as good as the original 1933 film or the 2005 Peter Jackson remake, but it's definitely not bad at all. That's a wrap.